going on? Welcome to the program, the Pete Callender Show, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone numbers, as always, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Pete Callender. I'm on the Facebook as well. I believe I even have an Instagram account, but I don't do anything there. I, th- I literally think, I, do, I don't think I've ever actually posted a single thing on Instagram. Um or the gram, as the kids say. Um, also, remember, get the podcast. It's at WBT.com. You can get everybody's podcast there. Uh, and it's very simple. You just click subscribe or follow, and then it comes right to your smartphone or tablet. So um, who, do we, uh, who do we need to blame today? Somebody needs to be blamed, I believe, for the incendiary rhetoric that prompted a uh, another would-be assassination of a Republican, right? Doesn't that have? To, I mean, these are the, that's the standard, right? I'm just trying to keep it straight. You know, does the rhetoric inspire the attackers? And if so, then we need to, you know, hold those people accountable, shame them, shun them, you know, drag them through the streets, uh, or just march them, uh, just probably walk them very slowly, let people, you know, shame, shame. Or boo, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm not telling you how to to mock them. But I, I think we're supposed to do something like that. That's what I understand the standard to be. Although, admittedly, the standard is not always as standard as standards would imply. Uh, I'm reminded of the Brett Kavanaugh would-be assassination. Nobody really got, yeah, nobody really got shamed or shunned for that. Um. Oh, yeah, and then the uh, the attempted assassination of, like, 30% of the Republican delegation in the U.S. House on that baseball field where the guy, uh, Bernie Bro, got up there and said, this is for health care, and then tried to assassinate everybody. Um, yeah, nobody ever actually got shamed for that, inspiring that either. But now, up in New York, you got a sitting congressman, Lee Zeldin. He's running for governor... Uh, of the Empire State, and uh, a man jumped the stage. He was drunk. He was an Iraq War veteran. Uh, his name is David Jacobonis, Jacobinus, Jacobonis, uh, whatever. 43 years old from Fairport, New York. And let's see, he says, do, 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 Lee Zeldin tweeted out his words as he tried to stab me a few hours ago were, you're done. Several attendees, including uh, lawmakers, quickly jumped into action, tackled the guy, and uh, he said law enforcement was on the scene within minutes. The attacker will likely be instantly released under New York's laws, and that is exactly what happened. Less than six hours later, Jacobonis, 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 I think is how he pronounces that. Anyway, he was out within six hours, walking the streets again. This is the society that the Democrats in New York have created. This is their preference. Obviously so, right? This is the preference when you let violent attackers right back out onto the street. It is not a, this is not a failure of the system. This is the system operating as intended. Which, hang on a second, I have this in the stack of stuff is one of the reasons why people are coming here. Uh, no, not like from the 
Not from the buses from Texas, although we probably might get some of those. I don't know. But um, no, no, people are coming. This is this is uh, state to state migration into North Carolina. Do you want to know what state is sending the most number of people? Greatest percentage of migration to North Carolina. You know where they're coming from? You want to take a guess? I'll give you a second. Go ahead, guess. Wrong. I don't know, actually. You could be right. Um, Number one, Florida, which is why it's not your imagination. The drivers on Charlotte streets are worse now. It's because they're all from Florida. But not all. Okay. There's a lot of them from Florida, though. Oh, I kid Florida. But they're the worst drivers. Next up, number two, Virginia. Virginians moved to North Carolina. And, man, gosh, they're like the worst drivers, I'll tell you. Number three, South Carolina. South Carolina, that's it. These are the top states for migration. Number four, New York. Number four is New York, which, I mean, that is not surprising. Because, I mean, New York, Florida, it's like basically the same thing. It's like just New York South. Um and then you got, so that's another thing too. keep in mind. You got a lot of New Yorkers, they go back, they go down to Florida and then they come half back to North Carolina. They're called halfbacks, right? So they go to Florida and then they're like, oh, this is too hot. There are bugs like falling from the ceiling and alligators eating our puppies and stuff. So like we're going, we're going back, but I don't, don't want to go all the way back up to New York. I can't afford it. And you know, what with all the crime, people being released back out onto the streets within six hours after attempting to assassinate a member of Congress. Um, so let's just go halfway back and okay, here, this is good. And so they land in North Carolina, halfbacks. And then number five is Georgia. So, like, we're getting all of the like, Florida, Georgia, Virginia, South Carolina. It's all these states around us. So apparently, when, you know, the legislature was enacting all of these uh, reforms to better compete with all of our neighbors, I think we've done it. <laughs> if everybody is coming here. Number six, California. Now you're getting into the blue meat Uh, of the states here. California, number seven, New Jersey. Number eight is Texas. Number nine is Maryland. And number 10 is Pennsylvania. Do you want me to keep going? I mean, I can go all the way to 30 here if you... I mean, at this point, the the numbers aren't really that huge. But how many... Like, so, for example, Florida um, moved from Florida to North Carolina 30,000 people. Virginia was 29.7. South Carolina was like 27-7. So this is about how many we're, we're picking up. Now, there are people moving from North Carolina to South Carolina. There were actually more. That was the number one destination for North Carolinians leaving was to South Carolina. So we're swapping. They're, they're actually a plus 6,000 on us per year. They're getting more North Carolinians. Isn't that interesting? Fun with demographics. By the way, uh, heads up, nuclear tests. July 25th through 20. Well, all right. The sirens, the sirens, <laughs> they're not testing the nukes. July 25th through the 29th, basically all day long at some of these sirens around the Catawba and McGuire nuclear stations. So for four or five days, uh, between 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., a select limited number of sirens will be tested using both short as well as the longer 30-second tests, as well as longer three-minute tests. 
I mean, I understand the need for testing, and I understand like the siren's purpose is to prevent me from dying if there's a meltdown or something. But still, like three minutes, and this could be going on for like multiple days, all day long. Like that's. I mean, I hope they fix whatever's wrong with them during these tests, but that's what's going on next week, the 25th through the 29th, all day long. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, Pete Callender Show. I'm Pete, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Yeah, so we're going to get the uh, the level of safety, security, law and order. We're going to get the level that we demand. We're going to get the standards that we demand. And uh, this is why, by the way, it's called the great debate, is that it, you know, the, how much government and the role of government, uh, you want to break it down into... Socialism versus uh, capitalism on sort of an economic side. It's the great debate. You're always, we are always going to be engaged in it. Now, that I, that's why I also say he who stops to sharpen his axe cuts more wood. You got to take breaks. But if you're going to enter this arena, then like you got to, as Ben Shapiro advises, you got to walk towards the fight. That's why you're here. You got to walk towards the fight. And so, as I often say, I'm... All I'm trying to do is to provide information and uh, ammo. Oh, wait, I, I, I'm not. I'm not advising any kind of violence. I'm just saying I'm giving you about arrows in the quiver. How about that? Is that is that still allowed? They're not trying to do any kind of like crossbow banning or anything. Okay, so I'm trying to give you information, support. So when you go into these debates, you go into these rhetorical battles. That you have information, you have arguments, and you kind of know what to look out for. So we're we're getting the law and order that that we demand, and North Carolina is a perfect example of it. We've gone over over the last week. I've gone through a lot of the uh, the turnstile judiciary that we see here in Mecklenburg County. Um, Lee Zeldin being attacked up in New York, and but for his ability, by the way, but for Congressman Zeldin's reaction and his arm strength literally he probably would have been stabbed the guy the guy had would so it's um it looks like brass knuckles basically with two large holes and you put your fingers through the holes and then the the disc sits in the palm of your hand and it has two uh blades that kind of go through your fingers through like between your index finger and your middle finger and then like between your middle finger and your ring finger. So they come through like that. And so you can basically hold on to this disc and it's all one piece of formed metal. And it, and apparently it's like 12 bucks online. You could buy them. They look like cats because it's a, because it looks like a cat. It's got these two prongs that look like it's ears and whatever. This was the design. That's what the guy had. And he had it in his hand and he walked up and he went to, he went to basically stab Zeldin, but Zeldin grabbed the guy's wrist. And by that point, and then immediately people were all over them and they wrestled everybody to the ground. They got Zeldin out of there and uh, they disarmed him. I mean, but for his arm strength and reaction time, what would we be talking about today? You know, that a gubernatorial candidate for the Republicans was murdered, was assassinated. 
Um, in North Carolina, we see it at our local level with our DAs and our magistrates and our judges. We see it at the state level as well. Josh Stein is the top law enforcement officer of the state, theoretically. Josh Stein. Um, boy governor. right? Governor in waiting. He's the shadow governor. <clears throat> He's a son of a prominent attorney. Did you think I was going to say something else there? Son, son of a prominent attorney. Son of a prominent attorney. He's a SOPA. He's an SOPA. Anyway, um, he's the attorney general. He was a former state lawmaker as well. And uh, he's in the news today for two different things, actually, over the last 24 hours. Um, First, uh, the top law enforcement officer, the lawyer for the state of North Carolina, and an officer of the court, I would point out, as a lawyer, Uh, He says that he should be allowed to lie about his political opponents. He's making that case in court. Um, He also is refusing to do the job that he wanted and was elected to by 0.1% or 0.2% of the vote. He got like 50.1% of the vote in his election in 2020. So he doesn't feel like doing the job he asked for. But I'm sure he's going to come ask us to be governor in another two or two and a half years. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Attorney General Josh Stein. His 2020 campaign for North Carolina AG is facing a criminal investigation. Did you know that? Yeah. Criminal investigation. It was sought by a district attorney in Forsyth County named Jim O'Neill. Jim O'Neill was the Republican candidate who ran against Josh Stein in 2020. The law, let me jump over here to uh, general statute 163-274A9. It's a class two misdemeanor, quote, for any person to publish or cause to be circulated derogatory reports with reference to any candidate in a primary or election knowing such report to be false or in reckless disregard of its truth or falsity when such report is calculated or intended to affect the chances of such candidate for nomination or election. This law has been on the books in North Carolina for almost a century, like 91 years or something. It's a misdemeanor for, let's just plug in the names here, for Josh Stein to publish or cause to be circulated derogatory reports referencing his opponent, Jim O'Neill, in an election, knowing that the report is false or in reckless disregard of its veracity, whether it's true or not. Reckless disregard. When, so these are like, these are the different standards that you have to hit, right? Number one, you got to be in an election. It's got to be about your opponent. You have to have circulated the report. And uh, knowing that this report is false or you're recklessly disregarding whether it's true or false. And here's the key, that the report is calculated or intended to affect Jim O'Neill's chances for winning. So, What did Josh Stein's campaign do? 
Well, they sent down an ad, and they attacked him for the backlog of rape kits, which is weird because Josh Stein in 2020, right, he, he was in charge of the state crime lab. And they're the ones that test the, the rape kits. Earlier this week, right, we spoke with Christine McDonald, a, a sex trafficking survivor, talking about the backlog of rape kits. This has been an issue in North Carolina for years, over more than a decade, probably close to two. When it became known, it was going on long before that, obviously. Roy Cooper, in charge of the state crime lab, they had all sorts of problems when he was attorney general and then tried, well, he not tried to, he claimed when he ran against Pat McCrory for governor, he claimed that they had cleared the backlog. And then attorney general Josh Stein takes office and all of a sudden he's talking about clearing the backlog and how he needs all of this money so he can clear the backlog. Well, wait a minute, I thought Roy Cooper cleared the backlog. Nah, maybe not. Still is a backlog. It's like over 11,000 kits. Still, Jim O'Neill is a local DA, and actually a tough-on-crime local DA. He's a Republican in Forsyth County. And so Josh Stein attacks Jim O'Neill for the rape kit backlog. That's the kind of attorney general we have in North Carolina. I haven't even gotten to the parts where he, he won't do his job, Okay. So they run this ad, and it features a woman by the name of Juliette Grimet. She's a sexual assault victim, sorry, sexual assault victim policy strategist. Yeah, she's a sexual assault victim policy strategist for Josh Stein's DOJ. She works for Stein in the AG's office. And so she is featured in the ad, and she says, uh, when I learned that Jim O'Neill, so you notice it's not a direct accusation. She's saying, when I learned it, where did you learn it from? From whom? Who told you that? Where'd that come from? When I learned that Jim O'Neill left 1,500 rape kits on a shelf, leaving rapists on the streets, I had to speak out. That's the line in the ad. And at the time, I was doing my podcast, I broke down why all of that was a lie. This is a lie. O'Neill claimed that the ad, I interviewed Jim O'Neill about the ad, about his record, all of that. O'Neill claimed that the ad was false, and he sought to retaliate, says Josh Stein, who has filed a lawsuit making the argument that it's unconstitutional for this law to be on the books because it's infringing on Protected political speech. In other words, I should be allowed to lie. It was just a campaign ad, and you know, sometimes you just make up some stuff about your opponent. Even though you are running to be the top law enforcement agent of the state, the top lawyer of the state, I should be able to say whatever I want to lie about my opponent if it gets me into power, where then I have the the levers of law enforcement. I get to control those. So he filed a lawsuit along with the woman in the ad and his campaign. They're trying to get the uh, the law declared unconstitutional, injunctive relief. They're trying to get why? Because he's being investigated criminally for it. Why? See, because Jim O'Neill, being a prosecutor, 
He knew what the law was. And so he sought an investigation. Yeah. He went to the, uh, he said the ad went too far. And he went to the State Board of Elections, which conducted its own investigation. It sent its findings, its information over to the Wake County District Attorney, Lauren Freeman. She started an investigation of her own. And she's a Democrat. A majority on the Board of Elections are Democrats. And so Josh Stein wants this this investigation quashed because he says the law is unconstitutional. Um, what Stein says here, I'm reading from their, uh, their uh, complaint. Jo- uh, uh, O'Neill claimed the ad was false. He sought to retaliate, but he did not do so by pursuing a civil defamation action, which is what he should have done. He should have come after me in civil court. Instead, as a sitting district attorney, he sought to place law enforcement investigators in the position of judging the appropriateness of political speech. The resulting investigation, well, just like in a civil matter, right, is it true or not? That's the key. If you, because even in the statute, it says if you, it has to be a report that is false or in reckless disregard of its truth or falsity. Right, so just spreading the rumor is as bad as making up the rumor before spreading it. So you you made this up and spread this. And so the the test would be, is it true? And if it's not true, then you made it up. And look, maybe maybe it is unconstitutional. Maybe lying about your political opponent is constitutionally protected speech. And A.G. Stein is going to win this one. And the court's going to throw it out. Court's going to throw the law out. It, no one's ever been tried or, or investigated anything under this law. No, it's never been used, right? But Stein says that, oh, he's just trying to punish us for protected political speech and to chill the speech of plaintiffs and others going forward. He's trying to chill our lies. He's trying to chill us. He's trying to prevent us from lying about him. <laughs> That's their argument. Again, I think they probably will win on the question of whether it's constitutionally protected or not. And then I think O'Neill should go after him in civil court and take him for a whole bunch of money and keep the issue alive going into the gubernatorial election. So that's story number one about our illustrious attorney general in the state of North Carolina. Story number two, I think is actually worse. So the North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein believes that enforcement action under a 91-year-old state statute banning the the dissemination of derogatory false uh, messages against your political opponents in a campaign, he believes that some action, some enforcement action under that statute is forthcoming. Okay, so they've They've now sent uh, sent in a complaint to the courts. It's actually going to be heard on Monday in Greensboro uh, at a uh, U.S. District Judge Catherine Eagles scheduled an initial hearing on this complaint uh, for Monday. And uh, where, where it stems from is the 2020 race where Jim O'Neill, the Forsyth County D.A., was running as a Republican for attorney general against Josh Stein, the Democrat. And Josh Stein's campaign put out this ad accusing O'Neill of putting rape kits on a shelf, left them sitting on a shelf, not prosecuting them. Well, Jim O'Neill never had 
he never had the evidence. It's not his, he's not in the chain of custody on that stuff. They don't get that until they go to trial for something. So, anyway, that's expected Monday. Strike one. Strike two. North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein said he is not going to work to enforce the state's 20-week abortion ban. This is the law, folks. North Carolina passed a law putting the uh, abortion window at 20 weeks. You can get an abortion before 20 weeks. After 20 weeks, no. But because of Roe v. Wade, that law was not allowed to take effect. Because Roe v. Wade sets it at the point of viability, and that's somewhere like 24 weeks. So the difference we're talking about here is, is four weeks, one month. We're still well into the second trimester, by the way. So when the Dobbs decision came down, the North Carolina General Assembly leaders said to their attorney general, who theoretically, and by theoretically I mean, you know, by statute, in North Carolina law, He's supposed to represent the state. He's our top lawyer. He's our top law enforcement officer. And the General Assembly said, well, now that the Supreme Court decision has come down, Roe v. Wade is gone. uh, KCV Planned Parenthood is gone. So the law that we passed that has been stopped by a court because it, it contradicted Roe v. Wade and or Casey. Well, now it doesn't contradict them anymore. So you need to go to that court, Mr. Lawyer for us, you need to go to that court and ask the court to lift that injunction, which should have already happened, by the way. I don't even know why you need to ask the court to do that. It should have just automatically happened. And Josh Stein says, no, I'm not going to ask them to do that. It's amazing. And this isn't the first time. This, he's taking a play from Roy Cooper's playbook. Roy Cooper started doing this when Pat McCrory was governor and the Republicans took over uh, the legislature. It's it's shocking. It is. It's shocking. This is why the state lawmakers had to go and this went to the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, whether or not they have the right to hire their own attorney because they don't trust their attorney. Why should they? Why should they? This guy's acting as a hyperpartisan has since he was in the state Senate. This is a guy whose dad, also an attorney, and uh, he when he was a lawmaker, and his dad was a party to one of the cases that then Stein became a party to as attorney general, if I recall correctly. He was he was part of the trial, his father, and he didn't he didn't recuse himself for conflict. The case is Bryant v. Woodall. It is a long running case arguing that the twenty week ban was unconstitutional. The judge in the case, U.S. District Court Judge William Osteen, uh, put out a July 8th order that said if the parties did not file briefs within 30 days, he would determine an appropriate course of action himself. It appears the injunctive relief granted in this case may now be contrary to law. Right, so he says, you guys got to file something. You got 30 days. File something. Because it appears that that order that blocked the law from taking effect is now no longer lawful. And Stein is refusing to do his job. Again, he's refusing to do his job. And if you ask me for a job and then you refuse to do the job, you should not have the job anymore, which 
He probably doesn't. This is, you know, this is because he came out, he put out a statement saying, you know, reproductive rights and all this, which, by the way, they are not reproductive rights. Although I do point out here that um, at least the left has has coalesced on a, on a euphemism that they prefer. It is reproductive rights because they were trying a couple of different, you know, uh, 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 di- different ways to say abortion without saying abortion. Right. They had what was the other one? Reproductive health care. So they just scrapped health care. Now they're going reproductive rights. Abortion is not reproductive rights. It's not reproduction. It's the exact opposite, actually. You can call them termination rights. You can call them pregnancy termination rights or something, but you can't call it reproductive rights because that's not what's happening. But it does actually raise a question. If you consider it to be reproduction, that means it's a human, right? Being reproduced? Thank <laughs> you.